seeing that there was a lot of spiritual materialism out there, you know, uh, going to ayahuasca experiences and then coming back to their startup in San Francisco and not hiring women and like all these things that, you know, just, just leave out the whole takeaway, the major takeaway of having these experiences. So in my case, because, you know, I'm vegan, I'm super connected to nature. And then I thought, well, what's, what's the best, easiest way of, of giving back? And, and to me, it was planting trees. This is the Beware How Show. Mystic philosophy made practical. I'm Bob, speaking weekly with Scott and Ryan. We're three conscious creatives and formerly closeted mystics trying to unpack the inaccessible. According to the mystics, the truth cannot be spoken, but we'll try to talk about it anyway. Hello, I'm Bob, and this is the Beware How Show, speaking with Scott and Ryan. Today is Sunday, July 12th. We have today we have a guest who is Santiago Rodriguez Tarditi. Welcome, Santiago. We're excited to Hello. thank talk you. To thank you, you, everyone. Good job Hello. with the name. Not a lot of people get it uh, right the first time. So <laughs> not a lot of white people. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I nailed. We're it. often we're often the not, but uh, it's a tricky name. It's a long one. Yeah. Thanks. Um, I don't have that problem, so I can't empathize. <laughs> <laughs> my name is two grunts by neanderthals um i'm just gonna read your bio and we'll jump right into it santiago thanks for joining santiago was born in colombia from an italian brazilian mother he is a creative director and photographer with a political science background and a record in the media industry he's lived in milan bogota london nyc miami and la working for companies such as publicaciones Mana. Monocle, Fusion, Univision, and Feina. Proficient in copywriting and photography, Santiago has produced documentaries, published books, and developed brand identities, as well as cultural programming for different media outlets and institutions. Super interesting. Um, you also have a podcast and an active Instagram. And what we're going to be talking about a lot today is you just published High on Design, which is a new book about cannabis culture and design in kind of emerging emerging cannabis industry so super cool um thanks so much for joining the viewer house show um you know we're all creatives so it's kind of we're fa all family here already uh <laughs> just having um you know this kind of mindset and you know you also are you're a meditation teacher and so a lot of the topics that we cover um on the show and in the newsletter and just kind of the brand as a whole is about meditation, mysticism, and spirituality, all of which uh, kind of overlaps with, with the work you do. So, um, so what up Santiago? And I'm also going to request that we do a short meditation. to start. Of off. course, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I love what uh, you guys have put together. I think it's very timely and necessary. And uh, I'm super honored to be here with you guys. Thanks, um, but yeah, let's, let's do a quick uh, meditation. If you can find a comfortable position where your back is uh, straight and long. And uh, 
Just take a few breaths and scan your body. See where you are right now. Making sure that with each inhalation, you bring prana from the universe. That energy, that white light that purifies each and every single one of your cells. And exhaling, releasing and letting go of any tension in your body, any worries in your mind. Letting your spirit rest and float freely without any attachments. Focus on your breath entering through your nose, that cold, fresh air nurturing your body. Activating your mind and heart. And elevating your spirit. Remember, you can always access this marvelous tool that the universe has given you the ability to breathe, to grasp that cosmic energy that travels through space and time. With gratitude, we bring our hands together to gently touch against our chest, feeling our heart beating, reminding ourselves of the miracle of life. Loka samasta sukino bhavantu. May all the beings in the world live happy and free. And may I contribute to that objective. Namaste. Namaste. <laughs> Namaste. Thanks, guys. Two minutes. Two minutes in the yeah. cosmos. That's all you need. But <laughs> we're gonna have to have you uh plug in for all every guest for the first two minutes of your <laughs> sure count me in that was really great thank so you cool. thanks, guys thanks for doing it. we're gonna yeah, usually we're hearing a guided meditation from bob's uh, cell phone speakers through the zoom call so it's like <laughs> this <laughs> that, it, it kind of worked it's not as was, good uh, a thousand a, times better. Like, legit <laughs> teacher in person live yeah okay um santiago mm -hmm. such such an interesting uh background and you just got so much cool stuff going on um let's start at the beginning i mean we got an hour you know hour 15 something like that it's kind of how long these episodes are so 
um, you know, I definitely want to get into meditation teaching and, and the book, but just tell us, uh, you know, where it all began. Born in Colombia, when, you know, how you jumped around a bunch. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I've had uh, the luck and the privilege to um, travel the world since I was very young. Um, my mom, Italian Brazilian, ended up in Colombia. She met my father. Um, and then because of my dad's work situation, we lived in, in Switzerland, in Italy, then came back to Colombia, then I left again. And then I've, I've started my career mostly overseas, like away from Colombia, although I did get to work in Colombia for, for a little bit as soon as I graduated from political sciences. And um, I just have too many interests. I'm, I'm a curious person, so it's, it's hard for me to focus on, on just one thing. Uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel um, a little anxious because I just like too many things and, you know, juggling uh, so many passions is is kind of difficult, but but then then again, I, I remember you know what what it meant to be like a Renaissance man or have like an eclectic personality, and and you know, I, I I like the saying "jack of all trades, king of none." You know, just be able to to play around with with many different things and and not limit yourself to just one or the other. Um, and that has taken me across the world. I've I've worked in media, I've worked in NGOs, cultural institutions. Um, I've done my own thing, you know, consulting, creative consulting through my company, uh, Atelier Deck. And, and my latest project is Project Rama Rama, which um, is a movement or a platform of sorts where I share everything I've learned so far um, in terms of meditation, uh, some yoga, spirituality, contemplation, and mixing it with a very real-world component, which is uh, raising money to plant trees in the Colombian rainforest. Um, so that's that's basically where I am. Uh, my Instagram account, as you well noted, is another channel where I contribute a, a lot of what I know, but but uh, mostly what I learn. Um, Again, tying into my curiosity, I'm always reading new things, investigating, researching. Um, you know, I have a lot of very cool friends. My family sends me like cool information. They're, they're, they know what I'm into. So they're like, oh, I think you're going to like this link on, you know, why sleeping is the best way to travel through multiverses. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then, you know, that, that spin off. cousin. <laughs> exactly exactly so so that 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 then uh segs into uh a longer research on whatever you know multiverses or sleep or whatever so so yeah i've been around the world um feeling very grateful for for connecting with amazing people i've learned a lot uh but now i'm in miami beach just uh <laughs> taking it easy <laughs> yeah no kidding mm -hmm. we're all uh we're all indoors for now, but uh, but yeah, beautiful background and and uh, I mean I think the first thing to for me to kind of ask you or or dive into a little bit more initially, which is you know I think the it sounds like kind of the middle is creative and spirituality, but almost like the front end of the journey is political science in university, and then now you're kind of applying spirituality and spiritual principles with that direct tree planting you know 
not quite political, but it is a little bit, you know, conservation is certainly a, a political issue. So um, that's so cool. That's very interesting. I want to want to ask you more about that. But first, tell us about, you know, your political science background and kind of maybe influences or what, what you know, what, what, what led you that way? So it, it kind of happened as as a mistake. And there is there was a, a joke in my faculty that said, um, oh, I, I, I wanted to become a politician, but then I decided to work. Uh, so <laughs> it, basically how, how this happened is, is I, I always wanted to be a journalist. My father used to be the founding director of a newspaper. So when I was little, I would I would really love to go and, and visit my father because he was always super busy, but he would make time for us and he would give us like a few things uh, to play around, my brother and I, that is, um, or to draw or whatever. And then when, when we got bored of that, he would ask his secretary to take us around where the newspaper was being made. So at, I don't know, I was maybe like 12 years old or something. And I saw these huge printing presses, just printing millions of newspapers, like for the whole country, uh, people still sketching and pictures were being cropped by hand and amplified, like all these amazing things. And just the, the, the sight, the smell, the sound. Um, plus just seeing, you know, stacks of newspapers and magazines every day in, in my house um, made me want to become a writer, a journalist as well. Um, always interested in, in, in content, but Columbia doesn't have a solid journalism school. Uh, most of the people who become journalists study what's called social communication, comunicación social, and it's a little too, I don't know, I would have to revise um, the offer today, but when, when I went to the faculty of that particular degree and saw the pensum, the offering, the course offering, like I wasn't too sure I wanted to take like theater classes or like whatever vocal expression class like it I, I wanted to do the hardcore old school journalism you know like like truman capote kind of style and yeah, yeah. And investigative exactly exactly and, and and mixing it with with um a literary aspect to it also like very gabriel garcia marquez back in the old days because before he became a writer he was a journalist so is that motorcycle diaries uh, no, it's a hundred yeah. years of solitude. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, um, but so so I couldn't find anything that that would give me that that structure, that foundation, that base in order to to grow as a, as a as a journalist. So I found political political science to be the best course out there, just because it's it's it was very it was structured in a similar way to how liberal arts is structured in the US. So it, it allowed me to take a lot of different courses and classes from all uh, different uh, social degrees. So history, anthropology, philosophy. I had a bunch of elective courses. So if, if you look at my, my, I don't know what you call that, but like my certificate of graduation where, where it says all my grades and all my classes, it's like, well, what the hell did you study? Because you're, I mean, you, you aced it in history of music and history of art, but you know, you could have done better in political history of Latin America or whatever. So 
I was I was never <laughs> yeah, but I was I was never like too interested in, in politics per se, but rather the social cultural aspect of it. Um, it did help me hone my writing skills because every day I would have to write you know ten, twelve, fourteen page papers on whatever. So it it, it gave me some 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 solid uh, basis for for journalism, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> Take what you learn. Very cool. Um, and then you went, you went obviously further into that with all these different media companies. Um, yeah. So, so my, yeah, my, my, my first, my first job was in a publication called Soho. And Soho is an abbreviation of solo hombres, men only. <laughs> And that was, and that it's basically, I, I, my first job was in the Colombian version of Playboy magazine. <laughs> so, yeah. so I, uh, I, I started, gentleman's mag. Exactly. Like a gentleman's mag, you know, naked women in the front cover, like some, I don't know, soft porn in the main pages. But, but what was interesting is that it had some of the best writers in Latin America. Uh, you know, similarly to how Playboy started, they only invited the, the yeah. best of the best. So you, you would end up reading some best-selling author talking about, you know, his experience uh, taking mushrooms or whatever. It's like amazing, you know, such, such a beautiful way of, of connecting, you know, two things. You know, the, 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 the writing skills of someone, but also that like edgy journalism. And that's what really interested me. And, and, mm. and so I began my officially my, my career in, in journalism with, uh, with that magazine. Um, from there, I moved to London because of, of my father's work again. Um, and I came across Monocle, uh, amazing publication, uh, you know, high-end, aspirational. And that was, that was incredible. I, I was with them for almost four years. I, I started as an intern. I was supposed to have a, a two week long internship. And then, and then there was an opening at reception. I was like, fuck it. Why not? Can it be a receptionist for you guys? And they're like, are you sure? Like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so I applied and I got the job as a receptionist. Um, I, I did that for like six months and then I, I moved my way up. And, you know, by the time I, I left the company, I was running the America's bureau from New York city. Um, so it was, it was, it was a good, uh, learning experience for sure. Um, and then when I was in New York, I got approached by Univision, Univision, um, to do a soap opera. No, I, I'm joking. Not a soap opera. <laughs> uh, telenovelas. To, <laughs> telenovelas. Yeah. No, to, um, to help them launch this new digital branch called Fusion, um, which no longer exists, but we created a lot of super cool things it was it was a beautiful experiment uh we did short documentaries we uh you know a lot of people won emmy awards uh we did podcasts we did concerts on the mexico u.s border uh we did all sorts of things so so it was it was a great experience and then and then i kind of like paused my my um writing for a while i went traveling for six months and and that kind of brought my my photography skills back and and so i i focus on that um yeah 
I don't know. That's that's like a, a, were you, a story. Were you starting to kind of feel the overwhelm? Like if you went from reception to heading the bureau, the department, <laughs> then you were navigating uh, some politics in an organization, large organization that can be exhausting. And it sounds like you were you were, uh, you know, finding a creative breather or a reprieve from the. Uh, you know, a global organization, a global media organization. Yeah, no, so for sure. For, I, I think I, I think it was it was it was uh, in my bucket list. It was something I wanted to do. I remember the first day I walked into Univision and I see this huge newsroom, and I'm like, wow, this is incredible. You know, just seeing people running around like the live show is going on over there, and then someone is like looking for props and like carrying all these things because there's some <laughs> talk show going on in the background. And, and it was super fun. I, I loved it, but but it was definitely very demanding and a little bit excruciating to have to deal with so much bureaucracy. You know, I had I had like so many ideas to offer to the channel, but most of the times they didn't get cleared by like whatever standards and practice. I'm like, what? <laughs> I, I can't believe that. You know, like much respect and appreciation to the people who have to do these kind of jobs. But like when you as a creative see that your budget wasn't approved by a lawyer that might not have taken the time to really hear you out, you know, because if, if, you, if you had the chance to express the, 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 the purpose of a show that, you know, required $100,000 or $200,000 or whatever, then perhaps they would have gotten it. But this was more of a like, what, 100,000? Da, da, da. Well, who is this person? Oh, he's on a like B scale salary or whatever, plus this. Who is his superior? Like, no, it doesn't match. I'm sorry. Like, the most you get is 25K. I'm like, cool, 25K is great for like a pilot, but I can't launch a whole series with this, you know? Like, if we really want to do uh, good journalism, which, which was done in many cases, you know, I, I just didn't get my personal uh, budget approved for, for, for my pro. I, I did get a few and, and, and we did amazing, amazing uh, docu series. One of which won an Emmy. Uh, sorry, a, a Webby Award. I, I had other friends who won Emmy Awards for uh, conservation shows, but the the one I did won a, a Webby Award because it was a digital uh, only um, series. So I, I I got the chance to do a lot of a lot of projects, but yeah, it's it's hard for me to be in such a rigid. Uh, structure like you know like this pyramid structure I, f I feel it's like very mass low back in the day like you know that maybe it served its purpose at one point but i i love i love i love entropy i love rhizomatic communication and interaction and just growing continuously growing but without like a specific structure common objective yes we all need like a shared goal but you know just be able to flow. Yeah, it sounds like you're almost describing the transition of kind of the millennial um, eras, you know, or like age of Aquarius of like 20th century, uh, literally the printing press. I mean, I love that image from earlier of like the the wheels and machines and, um, you know, the, the gears turning and things like that. And then like, but there, then there's this kind of expressive quality to creativity that, like you say, it's, it's, you know, you can't confine it. And it's super frustrating when it, it gets pushed up against the wall or the, the box of, uh, you know, bureaucracy. And 
gigantic organizations. I mean, I think I personally, I'm an independent filmmaker. And the reason for that is because I don't do well with that either. I mean, I don't really notes particularly from people that aren't creative. Um, you know, when I did, I've worked for a production couple, couple of production companies in Austin and, um, you know, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a tyrant over my work. I'm not very open-eared to changes. Yeah. Uh, you know, there was one <laughs> short film where I uh, sent it to collaborators and pals, and and one of them I got like over fifty notes, fifty edit notes on a short film that was like eleven minutes. And you know, uh, I think I used like eight of those notes. Eight of them were really useful and good, but um, you know, the other thirty-two or forty-two or whatever it was. Um, you know, there, there's definitely, there's a fine line, I think. And so congrats to you for making that realization that, uh, you know, you, you, it's time to transcend. It's time to get past, um, you know, kind of old timey blocks. And it's particularly you know, a, a media industry thing where it's like it, everything is becoming more decentralized and democratized. So, um, it makes sense that, you know, but, we're all starting to follow individuals more so than we were institutions, maybe even 10 or 20 years ago. So it, it, it's a, uh, yeah, it, it is kind of an era type progression that seems to be happening almost in, in media. I was going to say too, Bob, with your work specifically, just because it's kind of communicating such a, an important message, you know, you're not really selling things, you're not selling products and things like that, that, you, I think you have the right to be a little bit more pr protective of your of your story and, and the message that you're trying to say. So um, I totally understand Thanks, that. Man. I'm yeah. a proud, pretentious artist. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you have to be, man. You have to own your your skills and, and your voice. You know, if you don't trust your own voice, then what's what's the point? No one will. Like you, you really have to either fake it until you make it or, or until you believe it. So true. Yeah. It's uh, I, I love that you have that background because uh, I think a lot of people in this space too, kind of from the other side that maybe start making content, um, you know, this sounds maybe critical or egotistical coming up a little bit, but, but I think there is a lot of people in the spiritual space, mindful space, making content that don't have a background that you have, frankly, mm -hmm. that are either younger or, you know, kind of just started making it. And, you know, respect to to that scene of like super grassroots creators also. Um, but I think the reason why your work is so interesting and worthwhile, too, is like you've gone through that that process you 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 know how to make something from a to z with with really big budgets that you know uh frankly you know award-winning uh quality content so it's uh it's very like arrows pointing at santiago's work everyone you know like this is uh, this is quality stuff that is 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 unique in this space always always learning um I'm, i was used to creating with big budgets and now i've learned to create with no budget whatsoever so so that's also just as as exciting and, and as as i was telling you and, and perhaps if if you saw my instagram uh, i'm learning a lot from my girl girlfriend who is is a professional influencer um you know for for a while i thought like oh wow those influencers don't do don't do much and like she's non-stop like we had a conversation where we both sat down and it's like hey let's promise each other we won't work over the weekend. 
please like we need to just take a break because you know we're, we're doing podcasts we're doing videos we're doing lives we're doing uh posts we're taking pictures we're editing pictures we're like creating these short videos and it's amazing it's thrilling but you can't burn the candle on both ends um mm -hmm. but yeah but that's to say that she's she's been teaching me a lot about you know just bootstrapped production and content making and it's, it's fun it's good super I, useful wow yeah i think that as long as the message has substance then you know you don't really need too much of a budget totally and also i can see how i oh, go ahead sorry about that. <laughs> go ahead i was just gonna say the fact that you guys are contemplatives probably is why you had that realization whereas you know maybe most influencers aren't as aware self-aware as being able to say hey let's create blocks of time you know uh, let's yeah. make sure that we don't that's what destroy I was gonna say. ourselves it's like a, yeah a meditation practice yeah. is the perfect pairing to right. that life totally <laughs> so. totally yeah and it's it's also it's it's easy for us because it is our life you know it's our lifestyle it's it's what we how we chose to live so it's for us it's normal to wake up and do a super food smoothie and then take the leftovers and put them in our compost and then, you know, dry some of the skin to make tea a few days later. But then we can also um, smoke some of the flowers that we've dried up. Like, you know, everything connects and it's just a matter of, of, of sharing it, of putting it out there. I know that there's a lot of people who are interested in these topics, but don't know how to begin. So Instagram and social media has been a, a, a great platform to share these stories. It's awesome. I, uh, I yeah, Bob. we might have lost Bob. Mutiny. This is our chance. <laughs> to take over. The leader's gone. Here we go. My new podcast. <laughs> Starting, guys. It's called Scott Time with Scott and Friends. <laughs> Just kidding. We'll, we'll see if he bounces back here in a second. <laughs> what about you yeah, guys? The, tell, me, tell me a little bit about what, what you guys are up to. I, I see some <laughs> guitars in the background. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my, my little studio, my music studio. Um, and uh, I mean, I'm a visual artist. I, I'm a motion designer. So I do. Yeah, Ryan does amazing work. It's, you, thank you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> computer animation kind of traditionally, but um, I... I build interactive installations and uh, interactive art pieces. Um, wow. Yeah, and um, working a lot with projectors and LEDs and kind of large-scale immersive immersive media. Um, Damn, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I'd thanks. Love to, I'd love to see your work. Yeah, how totally. Do, how do you feel about, like, creating those, those matrix or matrixes, if there's a plural for that word, but like when when you do interactive experiences, uh, like do you feel you're creating a, a new matrix? What do you mean? What do you mean by matrix? Like a simulation, you know? Like, sure. I, I I don't know if it's exactly what I'm picturing in in, in my head. Yeah. But, you know, just the ability to project something onto a wall and create. I'd, a world out of light and yeah. music and vibration like yeah. that's a matrix totally yeah so for me let's see i honestly try and strip away uh the technology as much as possible um i really with most of my work i 
I prefer the technology to be kind of hidden and that it's not very forefront because for a lot of my work, I the goal for me is to induce a feeling of love. I mean, just kind of plain and simple, um, kind of puts you in this feeling specifically of like being a kid, um, being playful um, and uh, and kind of wonder. And uh, and so oftentimes with my work, I try and strip away the technology as much as possible so that it just puts you in a place um, where the technology isn't, uh, it's not a distraction at all. Uh, it kind of sits in the background and, um, and that the, the content, uh, itself can kind of, um, you know, pull you in and, uh, tell you a story or whatever it might be. So, um, so yeah, I, I think, I guess I think of like creating new worlds for sure. It's almost as very dreamlike is like, uh, the goal with a lot of my work, um, but I, I don't know, for some reason I have a, a resistance to the word matrix, maybe because it reminds me of the movie or something or, you know, some sort of... <laughs> well, your, your pieces, yeah, yeah, your pieces feel like alternate realities to me. Yeah, so yeah, helps. yeah, 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 totally. I think I'd call them like a dream world or something like that, which totally is a, is a matrix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah true. Yeah, Although that's, yeah, a, that's same, a good movie, same, actually. Kind of for sure. It is a great movie. I love it. It's a great movie. Yeah. The first one. I didn't see yeah. the other. Uh, the first it? one is that was, seminal that, part of visual effects history in film. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And honestly, that movie, when it came out, I feel like it, it nudged a lot of people, maybe unconsciously, but it nudged a lot of people's minds into the idea of hospitality, a larger truth behind that like that totally it's just it, everyone references it now from ranging from spirituality to uh you know uh, simulation theory which is like a physics theory that you know the universe is a simulation all this it's just like that movie like cracked you know open some ideas for a lot of people so cracked like, the egg yeah you know. scott yeah. are you but also no, into uh dream world making <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. in in various forms. Yeah. I, um, I've mainly been a musician for most of my life. Um, I ended up, I have a super talented musician. From, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been playing in bands for most of my life and I finally just recorded uh, my first solo album that, um, that'll be coming out later this year. So yeah, Bob and Ryan have heard it. It's actually one of the, the opening track on, on this podcast is a little snippet That's... of it, but, um, yeah, so that music forever. I have a degree in writing that I got from University of Texas at Austin. Um, so I was hanging out with Bob and his film buddies in the college and, you know, learning to write during all that. Um, and uh, so I've done a little bit of like screenplays and uh, and lately last year learned how to code. So I'm diving into programming, which has been really fun. Uh, so I'm kind of like when you were talking about like that, that anxiety of oh, I'm into too many things. I feel yeah. that all the time. I feel it like, oh, am I, do I need to, you know, like dive into one specifically. And, and I just, I, I never can, like, I have to, I have to jump around. It just like my mind gets, um, it just, I, I get bored if I don't jump around uh, stuff a lot. So, but, but yeah, music is a big, it's a big driver for me. So that, that's what kind of the thread that connects everything. Cause if I'm programming, it's about like a music game or something like that. So music, I always come back to, to, to sound, I guess. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, I think it's important to explore many things, especially, yeah. you know, at this age and I don't know, well, never stop exploring, but I'm sure that the older we get, 
we will narrow down our search and then, you know, probably end up just like growing tomatoes or something because that's what really <laughs> makes us happy. You know, that after like, oh totally yeah, I won my, all these yeah. awards and I did all these things, whatever. Like I did it. Like I checked that list. It's mm -hmm. fine. I made good use of my time on this planet. But deep down, what I like to do is origami or whatever. <laughs> just like, mm -hmm. Focus, yeah. focus on that. I've always yeah, said I, uh, I'm going to just at some point go to the mountains and uh, just have a little farm. And that will be if I can have the mountains and a nice lake uh, and a little farm, I think I'll be mm -hmm. I think I'll be happy. And I think I'll be coming. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, i you for sure. Man. Yes. That, that sounds I'll be I'll be getting the land plot next to you. Perfect. As well. So. Perfect. <laughs> I think that's what we all want these days, you know, especially after so much quarantining and lockdown and whatnot. Like, yeah. it's, I mean, I've always appreciated nature, but now I truly understand its vibration, you know, and just, and just, I mean, the, the beach was closed for like two months mm -hmm. here in Miami Beach. And when they reopened, just, you know, picking up that fresh air and, 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 of course, there's like this this cosmic aspect to it, but it's also like a very biological, natural, you know, the fact that the air from nature is carried with micronutrients, microorganisms, and its own biome that nurtures our body. You know, every time we're breathing in these fungal spores or whatever it is, you know, it's just we're building immunity where we're releasing dopamine and serotonin and like all these things that make us happy and make us feel better so so yeah definitely the the pandemic has at, at least in my case um it has intensified that urge mm -hmm. to be in nature yeah absolutely yep. Yeah, it's like one of those things you don't realize how much you love it or how much how important it is to you until it's taken away you know yeah, I think everyone's is becoming aware of it. I, I'm like, <laughs> I feel so fortunate because for years I've been, I, I pay the bills with the day job by hiking dogs in, in forest preserves north of Chicago where I live. <laughs> and uh, so I get that daily immersion. There's these beautiful parks and forest preserves uh, north around the city of Chicago. And um, I, I like, as soon as I have a different, I don't know about building anymore because like I've got to that um you know like I grew up in Austin so I grew up doing a lot of hiking and camping and and um it's just part of me like it, I start to I start to get anxious if I if it's not a daily um you know part of my daily life I start to get um just yeah bad things happen if, I, if I'm not immersed in in nature at least every other day like I've, I've become pretty spoiled with my job I guess so yeah but but yeah I think everyone's feeling it now it's like I, I felt lucky then, and now I feel especially lucky to have that job, and it, it makes me, it makes me want to try to build, I don't know, businesses or systems or things for people to let them get in, get immersed in nature more often. And like uh, my wife and I are often talking about um, buying land so that we can do a kind of outdoor camping Airbnb type situation where people can, um, you know there's just gonna have to be more solutions for traveling in the future because people aren't yeah. going to want to stay in big box hotels where there's you know confined spaces and like 80 percent of land in america is private land so 
there need to be systems where people that own land can open it up to the public and like let people experience, you know, the natural beauty of the world. So I, I my my mind has been spinning ever since this started with like how to create the, a new world essentially where people can dive back into nature more easily. Yeah, we I think we must begin to think about a situation where where hey. we hey Bob you're back hey Bob you know we're all uh, recording your own how to switch you right? yeah yeah we've been recording the whole time we've just been hanging out it's no worries I know but thank thank God for meditation practice because <laughs> I literally was just like this is ridiculous okay I thought that was I, I thought that was your Irish exit. Peace out. See you later, guys. Yeah, just bye. Good luck, Ryan and Scott. <laughs> I uh, I have a question for Santiago that um, I wanted to ask if we want to start there. Please. Yeah. Um. So I'm curious. Uh, your your background's been super interesting. You've been able to do a lot of really cool stuff and uh, been able to see a lot. And I'm curious where your spiritual practice started um, and kind of who that started with. I mean, was it with your parents, kind of in your childhood? Is it something that you picked up later, you know, through your travels? And uh, not only that, but kind of how does it? I'm also curious about what your spiritual practice looks like on a you know in current um, in this current state and kind of what your maybe daily practice looks like as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's an amazing question, actually, because it has been part of my life from, from a, a very young age, but it has evolved and it has changed. You know, I, I grew up, well, besides the time I spent living in, in Europe, most of my childhood and, and teenage years um, happened in Colombia. And... Uh, I come from like a very traditional, religious, uh, Catholic family on, on, on my father's side. But in general, the country uh, has that Judeo-Christian mentality. And, and I went to a, a Benedictine school. So I, I was educated uh, with ora et labora as my main motto, pray and work. Um, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was an amazing experience at school. It was, it was very academically strict, but uh, we also focused a lot on sports as a means of, of expression, of growing, of collaboration. Um, and, and we were the best school uh, in terms of, of sporting events. We, we won every medal, every cup, or most of them. Like sometimes we let other, other schools win. But, uh, but it was, it was, it was uh, a, a forming experience because it, it does, you know, sports teach you a lot about spirituality in a way. And, and um, the, the priests who were there um, put a lot of energy into making sure that people you know, practice sports and that this was, there was, this was special. But they also asked us to go to church, you know, at least I think it was like once a week. So there was like church class. You know, we had a whole slot for, for going to church. And I think it showed me a lot of interesting aspects about how a religion works. Um, I have to say that uh, probably Catholicism is, is the religion I feel less connected to. 
but I do appreciate it from a, from a philosophical perspective. I think it, it taught me a lot. And the good thing is that growing up, my father, because, because he was um, you know, also an academic and an intellectual, and, and my mother, like very design, like joie de vivre, a lot of quality of life experiences. Like we, we always had super cool things at home that could be in the way of like a Bhagavad Gita, but also like a Ganesh statue. And like my mom would go to acupuncture. And, but then, you know, on, on Sunday, nice. we would, if, if we wanted, we could go like across, across from our, our apartment. There was this, this beautiful church, so we could go to church as well. But nothing was, nothing was very strict. And so I had, I had all these different experiences and information out there from, from, from like a very young age. And, and I started incorporating all of that. You know, it was, it was fine if I, if I spoke to my parents about reincarnation, you know, because we would have like these beautiful debates. Even if I was very young, like they would be totally open about it. You know? Whereas I hear stories from other families where like, we don't talk about that. You know? Like this was always welcome. So there was, there was really no, no restriction. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, um, I remember you know, uh, reggae and hip hop were an important part of my teenage years. And then I got into cannabis and then my parents like, let me grow a cannabis plant at home. So it was like that, that sort of, that sort <laughs> wow. of openness. And, and Your yeah. childhood beats a lot of people. I'm very lucky because, because my father would, you know, talk to me about like, the drug war and legalization and so on. And my mom would make sure that the plant was in a beautiful pot and like was <laughs> watered properly and so on. So, so got sunlight. It was, it was very what, nice what, to have this. What's interesting to me about, I mean, a lot of things are interesting to me about Latin culture, Latin American culture, South America. Um, but particularly from like a historical point of view, when the, kind of, you know, Christian missionaries came over, um, a lot of, from my understanding, a lot of the traditional folk religion uh, didn't quite go away. And maybe you can enlighten us a bit further. I mean, it did in some areas probably, but, um, you know, or in Mexico, it's called like curandero, yeah. curandera, like kind of folk religion based in kind of the more indigenous culture, uh, remnant kind of pre-Christian missionaries. Is that in Colombia? Is that do you have any, um, you know, connection to that? Or feel free to. Yeah, there's Colombia has a history of, of shamanism, uh, but that's mainly in the Amazon and closer to the capital, to Bogota, you find more of, of witchcraft. So there's a lot of witchcraft, especially in, in, in a region called Los Llanos, which is close to um venezuela um and like the surrounding mm. areas like that central part of the country if, if you had to cut colombia is basically like a diamond right so you have like the caribbean mm. coast here the amazon here and then like the andes mountain range crossing across um so like the the, the center part of, of the country has a very traditional like witchcraft mysticism and um yeah, there there are a lot of a lot of uh, people who will cast spells or will will wash away 
any curses. Um, but that wasn't, that wasn't really too popular. Um, I remember like there was this woman who would, who would read your cigarette. So when I was younger, I would, I would smoke cigarettes and you would go and like, she would read the ash and, and how it burned and like, mm. she would tell you some things. So there was a lot of wow. fortune, fortune telling as well. People like doing palm reading, tarot, um, and then further up in the, in the Caribbean coast, um, you find more of like Caribbean, uh, tradition, you know, some, some voodoo, uh, some Santeria. Um, but, but yeah, I, I feel like the Judeo Christian and especially because the, the government has always been like very, you know, linked to that particular religion it's you know it's present everywhere and every even even the amazon like you get there and you see churches everywhere and you know people are like going to these religion uh, celebrations connected to to christianism um but yeah the the, the concept of the of the shaman and, and tied to ayahuasca and, and to um natural healing has always been there and, and from a very young age i, I connected to that and, and i i always wanted to go and, and do a an ayahuasca ceremony with with some some big taita they call them the taitas the fathers um these, these mm. spiritual guides who who will take you to other realms mm -hmm. very interesting um happy to continue on down that rabbit hole um you know you also wrote a book about uh the cannabis culture obviously that we talked about in the in your intro um but yeah, before we get to the book, maybe do you want to touch on more of the kind of, um, you know, I, Mother Aya. So I have a friend of mine who is really close to my wife, actually, my wife's cousin, who, um, you know, 10, 15 years ago was like calling my wife's family. Well, maybe I shouldn't say this, but she basically she was she was like, hey, Melissa's smoking weed, you know, like 15 years ago. And like now she just came over, uh, you know, a year ago or so and just came over. That's how old I am. I'm like, yeah, she just came over like last summer um, because we're older <laughs> and time is sh shorter. Anyway, um, <laughs> she was like, yeah, mother Aya and that. And like she got married in the Peruvian mountains with her husband. She's like all about psychedelics and, um, you know, shamanistic mystic philosophy and you know we talked a lot obviously about all that and um yeah she you know she was like yeah mother a is making herself known and stuff was like a sentence she used and um mm. you know i feel like that that's indicative of a larger societal shift towards realizing that that stuff does actually have value you know maybe when you were a kid that was like it was just kind of the weird you know, esoteric lady reading cigarettes, you know, but now it's, it, we, we're, we're realizing that there's a lot of value in, you know, particularly, I mean, I think what psychedelics does is that, you know, the psychedelic experience breaks down barriers, right? It, it, it destroys, you know, the kind of ego sense of separateness. And thankfully we have, you know, kind of modern psychology, Jungian, uh, you know, understanding to help us realize like subconscious and these concepts that, uh, you know, it helps us explore. And so, uh, you know, having your background, having a Latin American background that's closer to, um, you know, the usage of those plants, certainly more so than America and, and the European, you know, European culture, um, you know, what, 
what's your take on kind of the, the, the renaissance, if you will, of psychedelia? Yeah, I think that because it was associated with indigenous communities, it was, you know, put behind the curtain for, for a long, long right. time. The other, right. Yeah, demonized. Exactly, yeah. demonized. It was like, because you, you literally do see demons, you know, when you're drinking ayahuasca and when you're going through these entheogenic experiences, like you can, you can, you know, see a lot of dirt in your head, in your heart, mm -hmm. in your spirit. So, so there's, there's definitely that aspect of it. And I'm sure that aspect didn't commune well with this idea of salvation and, and, you know, God as like this perfect heaven and hell and this thing. And it's like, you can all only go for heaven in, in, in Catholicism, you know, like, like hell, kind of reductive hell, patriarchal, uh, you know, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, flowing beard guy. So, so the whole plant resurgence, I think, connected to a wellness wave that has been incrementing over the past, I'd like to say 10 years, perhaps, you know, in my case, natural remedies were always around, um, you know, Colombia has an amazing biodiversity, so you get all sorts of vegetables, fruits, herbs, roots, etc. So there was always something for, I remember I, uh, when I was young, I had mumps and the cure was to tie a necklace of baby lemon limes and leave it for like two days. And my mumps, my mumps hmm. went away. No, no antibiotics, wow. no shots, no anything. And this was, this was who cured me this way was my grandmother who is the most devout Judeo-Christian person you will meet. Like she has altars all over her house. Like she, she prays <laughs> with her rosary beads, like very, yeah. very committed. But she was the first person to say, oh, that's, that's mumps. Just put this necklace around your head, your neck. And, you know, in two to five days, you'll be cured. And it worked. And I'm, I'm sure there's some biological chemical answer to that. So there, there, yeah. were, there were always like these little, you know, bits and pieces of natural remedies out there. But, but for a while, I think it was seen as, oh, you're a hippie or you're crazy or uh, you're a left-wing Marxist or whatever if, <laughs> if you're going into the jungle and, and taking ayahuasca. Now, now it's like getting a tattoo, you know, like if you don't have a tattoo, are you even a millennial? Like, I don't know. Like, have you, done, <laughs> if you haven't done ayahuasca, like, you know, are you living in the 2000s? Um, so, so, so on, on one hand, I think it's great that people are discovering these, these natural medicines and these sacred plants, but we cannot forget that they're sacred. You know, they, they have to be, respected and and when i hear about friends being like oh i just got invited to like this ayahuasca experience in a penthouse in soho in new york and like this shaman he's amazing he's french i'm like wow okay like it's only twelve thousand dollars and yeah uh, also, yeah. That, also <laughs> that like i i respect that like i don't think a shaman has to be born in the jungle in order to have guiding and, and, and curative 
you know, knowledge, but at the same time, shamans went through a lot to get to where they are in their communities. You know, it wasn't so much like, oh, someone woke up one morning and say, okay, who wants to be a shaman? Like there, you come over here. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. these people would have to go through a lot of trials and tribulations and learn and they would get lost in the jungle for years and learn about what each plant did and how to cure things and experiment. And I'm sure a lot of people died in that process so that now somebody who goes to Burning Man you know, has this revelation in the middle of some super cool camp and then comes back saying, okay, I'm moving to Tulum and now I'm going to do ayahuasca ceremonies left and right. You know, again, like full respect to the people who do it. And I'm sure there's really amazing healers out there that go beyond nationality or trade or background or whatever, but you're just starting to see too many of them. And, and I think mm -hmm. we cannot forget that these plants are sacred. I'm very glad you brought that up because it's yeah, something I, I struggle with the crit critiquing of that scene a little bit as well. Like, I, like it doesn't feel very like love and kindness, like all beings, you know, have, sentient beings have value. Like whenever I start to like make those same kinds of judgments, like I, I feel like, the opposite of that so and, and i'm sure you do too and you prefaced your saying by saying respect to them you know like I, i'm right there with you like that the, there's there's a value i think it i think it's also on levels too like you have you have like really like masters but then you have these guys kind of in gals in the middle rungs if you will that are still working out more of their uh you know darkness so to speak or their shadow shadow work that um you know they they're still on the path they had to go through making uh, you know, a social media, a shaman presence first to get right. past the ego aspect of it. You know, like they're on their path too at some point, but they're not the end all be all. And uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's super useful to call out and, and, uh, and appreciate you also saying that it's not, it's not nationality based. Um, we, we actually, um, in, in a previous podcast episode, we were talking about like, for example, the idea of like kind of charlatan, detection or like what are kind of some bullet points possibly and like the main one i think isn't isn't nationality based it's it's uh it's vesselhood based like the more you see someone that says like oh this isn't me I, i'm just you know i'm a work in progress i'm working on my own stuff but what i do is i get into this space where the healing material comes through me or the information comes through me you know that's okay i'm interested i'm all ears in that person but mm -hmm you know, if that person is saying like, I'm the source of this and, you know, that it gets power hungry and egoistic, like that's a red flag, you know? It's, it's very interesting that you mentioned that um, because that's exactly how I open my tarot readings. I say, oh, beautiful. I, I say, look, this, this isn't me. I don't know you. You don't know me. Like, it's great that we connected, but I'm, I'm just a bridge. I'm just a channel yeah. between what the universe has for you and the cards you know i just i lay them out and i interpret them and something that's been happening um is i i forget all my readings so i've, I've had <laughs> I, i've had people you know call me you know two days later hey remember that card and like what you said about this i'm like no i'm sorry like at least you don't remember i try hard 
So either I'm super plugged into Beautiful. into the universe, or I have to stop smoking weed because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm losing my, my memory. But no, it's it's more of a. a about. I, I think, I th but I think it's more of a. And I was talking to my girlfriend yesterday because we forgot something, and I remember. I think it was in my because I, I spent some time in Bali doing a, a yoga teacher training and meditation training, and I think somebody said that when you start losing your memory, you are truly becoming enlightened. You know, when, when you don't forget, when you forget everything about your past and forget about the future, you're just like, you know, fully present. And, and that's when, when you're enlightened. I, um, yeah, I, that, that just reminds me of something that I've been kind of experiencing too, and that I feel a lot of truth in that. Um, I've been working with this lady, Jennifer Miller, and um, in moments I have found in moments working with her and we kind of do these kind of like group therapy sessions is kind of what it feels like. Um, but it's a place, it's a space, a circle where it's the chance for you to open up and talk about anything, anything at all. And, and just to have a space where a group of people will kind of hold you with love and care and, and allow you to be really, really, really vulnerable. And, um, especially in moments where I've found where people need to express some sort of anger, um, which is really healthy um, that, you know, that we don't bottle our anger. And if we need to express it, that it, it is able to come out. But um, almost every single time when people, when I, f I feel that people are like really tapped into like their power and tapped into their spirit, their, their spirit. And um, they will, they won't, they won't remember anything that they, that's coming out of them. Like it'll, you kind of tap into this, like, I don't know how to, what to call it, but it's like this primal energy, you know, it's like this very connected um, space. And, uh, and when that happens, oftentimes like a lot of stuff comes up and comes out, but, and then afterwards they don't remember a lot of it. It's happened to me multiple times. Um, and, uh, and so I, there's a lot of truth in that, I think is, you know, I, maybe the more that you're, kind of tuned into uh, a, a moment of, of spirituality and, and a moment of being connected to source, um, especially moving through some like, you know, deeper, heavy stuff um, that oftentimes it, it is not, it's a very, uh, you probably won't remember it because, um, because yeah, you're kind of, you're kind of really tuned into that moment and very present, you know, and uh, so I, I've, yeah, I hear a lot of truth in that. I've experienced that before too. Ramdas talks a lot about the rational and intuitive, right? It's kind of an interplay mm -hmm. between, you know, in the in the West, we just think the rational mind. We worship at the altar of the rational mind, and the rational mind's important and it's useful, but it should. Um, what's the Ramakrishna quote? It's like um, it's a useful it's a, servant and a terrible master. Is any uh, mm -hmm. Scott's reading Vivekananda? So you're and all that material. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, rational mind and intuitive mind. And the intuitive mind is, I think, what you guys are, are referring to is like, there's no, you know, logic con connecting, you know, past event plot points and future anxieties and things like that. It's just the presence and it's useful. But it's also, mm -hmm. I think the trick is the interplay between the two. And, um, you know, I think... It's it's time societally that we focus more on the intuitive right now. We the, you know the rational mind has gotten a few centuries of uh, you know getting puffed up, but um, 
but it's a balance, I think. And these ape suits, at mm -hmm. least. Yeah, there, there, there has to be an interplay between both, I think. But, but you should be able to activate one and the other simultaneously, but also, yeah. you know, separately, and 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 at some point also shut both down, you know, and 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 because, I mean, rationality and intuition both, I think, connect through experience. You know, the capacity of, of experiencing something will give you the rationale to understand that it has a correlation with something similar or something that stems out of that particular topic. And the intuition also tells you, well, you know, this is what I've learned from that experience. So this is what might happen. And then when you really tap into that, and release and let go and it happens then they're both kind of connected you know beautiful yeah so, i think meditation also helps like if anyone is starting to get lost in our conversation right now like what like, meditation practice does it, it helps you notice the lens <laughs> at which you're you know kind of traversing through exactly yeah meditation is 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 really important because it disconnect us from from the outside world and the outside noise and and, and reconnect us with with our essence in a, in a non-judgmental way i think every day we're judging every single thing we do and that just puts too much pressure on our on ourselves you know because because we're judging what other people are doing we're judging what we're doing we're judging what we should have done we're judging what we will do like it's like the just, just closing your eyes and honoring, respecting your breath, just being able to breathe. It's like, dude, seriously, yes. like, are you, are you going to complain about all these things and what could have gone wrong and what did go wrong and blah, blah, blah. Like, just enjoy your breath for 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Like, we, we breathe, I was reading, we breathe between 30 to 50,000 breaths every day. 32, that's a lot of breaths. That's a lot of inhalations and exhalations, but... We're, we're very we're seldom honoring that. Exactly. None of it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, That's beautiful. Yeah. Tell us about yeah. our books, about your books, Santiago. High on Design. High on Design. Is it your Hello. first book, by the way? I think, is that? No, I've, I've published, your... I've published a few other books. Um, wow. Okay. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. No, that's, that's okay. They're all, edit, all that shit. They're, they're, they're mostly coffee table books and, uh, they were done in collaboration with uh, Gestalten, which is this uh, amazing German publisher based out of Berlin. I spent six months of uh, last year working with them full time. And my first book with Gestalten was a partnership with Monocle when I was still working at Monocle as, their, um, as one of their magazine editors. And the first book is called uh, The Monocle Guide to Better Living. So how to you know, make certain shifts in, in your life um buy other things like that's I've, I've distanced myself from a lot of concepts that the magazine represents but back then you know it, it involved a lot of purchasing and like very aspirational and like how you can you know grow your wealth whether it, it w whether it was a material wealth or you know also like a quality that's of life interesting wealth. and then you've uh slowed down on emphasizing consumerist materialism over the years yeah yeah i think 
I mean, I... You don't seem to be a big materialist to me, Santiago. Maybe I'm misreading you. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it, it comes across that way because I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to put uh, or give more value to uh, people, uh, the planet, and experiences rather than just material things. Not just because we're polluting the planet with, with them, but, but also because... I don't know. They're not, they're not essential. I mean, yeah, there are a few things and here I am talking to a computer and, you know, whatever, recording on my phone. And, you know, these are work tools and and you have to appreciate uh, every creation for what it is and the amount of energy and work that was put into them. But, but when we start focusing too much on our property instead than our feelings or our heart or our mind. And I think, I think we're getting a, a bit lost and but they make me so happy. <laughs> so why do I have to stop? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, Monaco, Monaco. No, I mean, some things do make you happy, you know, like a good mattress makes you happy because it provides a good, good, good night's sleep. It's much better than sleeping on the floor until you get used to sleeping on the floor. But I think it's the ability to go, between one and the other that really makes us uh, more adaptable to the world and to experiencing different situations. Like, hey, look, if I have to sleep on the floor for the next 12 days or for the next 12 years, yeah, I'll I'll eventually get used to it and find a way of making it more comfortable than not. Uh, Mm -hmm. But hey, I'm also going to enjoy an amazing memory foam mattress because I know as a fact that it does help my lower back pain. So why would I say no to that? It's just not not becoming just provided my wife with a ton of justification in this episode. So thanks a lot for you're going to have to go and Mm -hmm. she'll point at this. Get get a new memory foam mattress, but uh, but let's go back to my book. So that was the first obsession and attachment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, so don't don't get don't get obsessed with with material stuff is what I would say. Um, but yeah, I I, yeah. I I try to to live like a very monastic life, and that that includes just like I don't know, wearing like the minimum like very basic things. Like every everything you see around me, I know this looks like a Pinterest stage. It's a beautiful home. <laughs> Um, but it's it's because my it's because my girlfriend is an influencer and, and she puts a lot of effort and attention to to uh, everything that appears in her in her pictures, including our our home. But this was this was all here. I appreciate it. I love it. I respect it very much. But you know, for the past few years, I've been living out of a backpack and a suitcase, and I'm I'm not exaggerating. Like I got to Miami Beach with a backpack with wow. my computer, some t-shirts, jeans, you know? Um, so I tried to live like very frugal life, but, um, this is, this is to say that that first book was, was very focused on, on improving your quality of life. And then the second book I did with Gestalt was about perfumes and aromas and fragrances. Mm. And, uh, this third book, which I, it was my original idea. I pitched it to Gestalt and like they didn't get it in the beginning. And then like I showed them all these amazing, super cool brands that are elevating the cannabis aesthetics through design. And then they got it because they're a very design focused uh, publishing house. So in the beginning, they were like, 
yo, this dude is just gonna what what are we gonna see here? Like pictures of Bob Marley and Snoop Dogg. And like a juicy J rapper. <laughs> like like there will be like part the, of that. Yes, there will be papers. a little bit of that sprinkled throughout the book. Um, <laughs> to be able to connect, you know, the whole history behind cannabis sure. and whatnot. But what I really want to focus on is normalizing smoking weed, consuming weed, you know, everything, the dispensaries, the industry, the accessories, the experience, you know, and, and, and then they got it. They got it. They liked the idea. We worked on this book for like six months full on. We assembled a good team of people. We came up with, with a cool structure, um, amazing uh, photography. And then, uh, yeah, the, the outcome, I'm super happy with it. Um, it touches upon, you know, the cultural aspect of cannabis, social, religious, political, uh, but everything, the, the core theme of the book is high design, elevated aesthetics, and how today you can buy a $350 bong that is handmade beautifully by some artisan or some creative and keep it you know right in the center of your living room as a as a, a decorative piece because mm-hmm. sure. it's beautiful it's and it's appealing but you can also use it and you know it serves a purpose um it's just showing the world like hey look there's nothing to be scared of this is a plant you know we've been using it for thousands of years it's only been what like a hundred years since 70 years whatever since a handful of politicians decided to prohibit it mostly based on racial or anti-racial intentions you know yep marijuana so like just made up a word and yeah the randolph also speaking of that's interesting too the printing press is in your background too because i believe it was william randolph hearst that was one of the main lobbyists that uh owned a lot of uh timber yeah. lumber yards and so he wanted to use paper and other competitors wanted to use hemp and he said now i'll just use my political prowess to get this stuff made illegal exactly and, uh now we have the new jim crow that's imprisoned black people and people of color for smoking cannabis which is actually to, i mean you wrote the book on this so you know a lot more about it than we do but you know from my understanding white people black people Latin Americans, we all smoke cannabis about the same rates per capita, and the justice system does not reflect that. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, there's there's some mass incarceration. Involved. There's yeah. mass incarceration that affects mostly uh, black and Latino communities uh, for for smoking, consuming, or selling weed, and and you see, you know, people getting million making millions of dollars. You know, they're now loaded because they have a dispensary shop that looks like a, an Apple store. And people walk in and out of there, you know, before they go to whatever, their private homes in Beverly Hills and, you know, eat a super cool gummy. And then, you know, you see these people who are in jail for a spliff because they had a spliff in their pockets when they were arrested. when they Jaywalking. Were, what happening you know yeah they, yeah like, yeah no this doesn't make any any sense so so through design what i wanted to do is normalize the conversation around cannabis 
but then create a bigger conversation about the war on drugs. You know, it's, it's ridiculous that we have alcohol and cigarettes and big pharma and pills and whatnot out there. Just everyone, you know, consuming so freely. And when it comes to the more natural plants, drugs, whatever. Safer also. Safer. Herbs even. Herbs. Yeah. Like why, why is valerian root, why is it okay to take a valerian root tincture before you go to bed that will knock you out for eight to 12 hours, but then, you know, rolling a joint and taking a few puffs before bed is seen as something that could put you in jail. Why? When nature, I mean, nature cannot be illegal. It's nature. It's just, it's just such an anthropocentric view of of life cultural yeah yeah totally and um i didn't mean to cut you out there but uh, you know yeah it's something that is like created out of 19th century 20th century american kind of like white government white corruption and um you know i mean i think hopefully you know give us some optimism here in that scene and that you know i think the the fact that these states are, are making it legal um, you know, we're, we're making progress, although the main office of the American government are not too optimistic about, but the, uh, you know, as a whole, it seems like we're, we are getting there in terms of progressivism, in terms of, you know, I think it's also the youth, right? I mean, uh, I lean more dem- democratic socialist really than anything else politically, as far as the political affiliation in America. And uh, man, I mean, the, the youth vote for Sanders, for example, it was it was 18, I think 18 to 45 was overwhelming compared to, um, you know, Biden voters that were, you know, he, he won the 46 to 65 up. But the voting blocks indicate the timeline of the future. And, you know, Sanders is was trying to legalize cannabis. I mean, you know, that that's a part of the kind of quote unquote far left yeah. which i don't i don't, I don't really pretty, like that term because it's it's uh, yeah. it's dismissive but my state illinois has i was pretty proud of them this year cuz 2020 we uh it we passed it earlier yeah. but it, it, it enacted this year of uh, full medical and recreational use and probably more importantly is they're expunging records wow. of, uh, of of uh, marijuana offenders and they're giving licenses to people in like struggling communities of color that have been hit the hardest by the drug war they're they're getting a priority for um for like distribution licenses so and that was like one of so like and that wasn't huge um that wasn't a referendum it was the illinois legislators actually wrote that so like it was one of the best um kind of move steps forward in that so yeah i'm lucky to live in that state so yeah that's amazing that's amazing starting to change yeah i think i think more yeah more politicians are starting to realize how much money we've wasted in just fighting drugs. I mean, growing up in Colombia, I suffered the war. Um, Nothing compared to what the people in the actual conflict zones were experiencing. But still, you know, like I, I had to drive around in a bulletproof vehicle because we were threatened and because people were gonna kidnap us. And you know, all that money that was invested in what's called the Plan Colombia, which was a U.S. Found, uh, funded uh, project to kill all the guerrillas, all the paramilitaries, all the narcos, 
has spent literally trillions of dollars and has achieved very, very little. Imagine if we had taken those trillions of dollars and built schools, hospitals, roads, infrastructure, like all these things that are really necessary. You see it in plant places, trees, plant trees. You see it in, in, in places like, like Colorado. I don't know. Every year they raise something ridiculous, like $30 million from right. like wheat taxes. And now they're building schools left and right. They're, they're yeah. you know, propping up new hospitals here and there. Like that's, that's incredible. That's amazing. Yeah, respect to Colorado for really leading the front on what what that should look like from an economic point of view. Because yeah, I yeah. mean, a lot of people that I'm, hi, I'm in Austin, Texas, and which Austin is the I don't know how much you know about Austin, Santiago, but it's basically this they call it the the blueberry and the tomato soup, where this blue oasis in a very red state. And um, you know, my theory about Texas is that the the Texas legislators love money more than the Bible, so I'm optimistic. <laughs> that they'll get you know that they'll, it's just going to be unavoidable because like you know what you're saying these the 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 income and the taxes from uh the cannabis industry that people want to use responsibly you know um you know again like you said this is something that i mean or maybe we didn't talk about it but to, to my understanding it's killed zero people and cannabis, how, many zero. how many hundreds of people have died from alcohol like since we started this podcast and cigarettes you know, or cigarettes yeah exactly yeah i think like ten thousand um, so people die out of uh die from alcohol related diseases every year in, in the u.s or something like that. it's like in the millions right. worldwide you know but right but it's yeah. still fine you know if we see billboards everywhere and if you know you walk into your your parents home with a six pack in your hand but if, right. if if you if you pack a bowl you know, in someone's living room there. It's like, wow, what is this guy doing? Yeah. May we be the generation that destroys the taboo. Hopefully. 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 Yeah. And yeah, maybe more just hearing your story about, yeah, about what that experiencing that side of it in Colombia, that's maybe the thing that angers me the most is that, that, you know, my, uh, American government has like exported these like really harsh practices to other parts of the world and all the other people that have had to suffer because of because of like my countries and my government's you know like military industrial it's, complex it's right like yeah yeah it's just it's just such a terrible cyclical uh, machine that is running right now that has to stop the money game sometime. I mean war is is the best investment in the world people yeah people make millions out of billions out of selling machine guns and and ammunition and bombs and whatnot like that's that's all they see you know they see it as this huge production industry that is is highly profitable like you know why would you invest in a hospital like if it's going to cure people that's why people make money with big pharma you know because they first get people sick and then they hook you on these things and it's the same with 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 the war industry so how do we get halliburton board to take ayahuasca <laughs> that's really my question <laughs> If we have one hard-hitting question today, it is, can we get the, you know, suits to uh, come down to Colombia? I think, I think let's get them to meditate first. 
I think that's, uh, that's better, probably even. <laughs> meditation is is less scary and it's less invasive. And uh, yeah, I, I think I think we have to start with, you know, Gandhi said it: be the change you want to see in the world. So, like each of us has to start adopting um, habits that that will make us better people. Um, I lo- I love my girlfriend's story when when I ask her like how how did you start. Uh, with your with your blog and, and and your social media presence, and she said, "Well, look, I I used to be in private banking, and the day I got a raise, I decided to quit because I hated it. And then I got home, and I was like, well, what am I going to do now?' And she Googled how to become a better human, and that was it. You know, it started with <laughs> oh, it. you know, and and it implied many different things, like from from yeah. you know, stop putting like." toxic makeup on your face and you know switch to a plant-based diet and make sure you exercise at least you know 20 to 30 minutes every day and meditate and so it's all these things that we can do that can change ourselves and then inspire other people so if if i had to sit with with a board of directors i would say look you know change your diet from this to that you know make sure you carve out 20 minutes before you know your daily morning meetings and then do the same at the end of the day and you know during lunchtime i know you guys go out for lunchtime and like drink whiskey perhaps instead of drinking whiskey at during your meeting like just stretch a little bit and you know all these all these small changes that that then you know create a whole bigger puzzle of well-being so i think saturdays go to the food bank and serve the hungry people in your community and get gratitude from exactly. them and exactly. understand their point of view, et cetera. That's a beautiful yeah, uh, way to put it. And, and you really, you, you tone shifted from our, <laughs> our cynical stoner talk about the military industrial complex, which is legit by the way. And I feel like that totally, but uh, no, but I'm, I'm really sure, I'm sure that uh, the thing is, curve. the thing is deep down, I, I think, you know, the, the, the universe is benevolent. Like, of course, there is like this counter aspect to it that keeps on, keeps it moving around. But, but I'm assuming that, you know, 99% of the people in the world just, just want to be loved and give love and, and, and not harm people. And, right. you know, the guys who are shooting guns in the middle of the jungle, like they're not, again, most of them, I don't think they're there because they like doing that. You know, they were forced because of, of yeah. their social pressures, because of uh, abuse in their households, because yeah. you know they didn't have the appropriate support, because because it's the only way they can pay for their college. So we have to also keep that in mind. You know, this is everyone's just reacting to their own yeah situation. Yeah, that, yeah. everyone so everyone is, is struggling, and and what we can do is offer people tools that we know improve their well being. And that's, you know, it's cut down on alcohol, exercise, meditate, express gratitude, uh, connect with nature and, and many, many others, in, including ayahuasca. At some point, I think we should all experience some sort of in, in, entheogenetic experience. You know, we, we, we should, whether it is mushrooms or whether it is ayahuasca or iboga or datura or, you know, whatever it is, like there's so many amazing things that nature put out there for us and 
we, we have these systems, endocannabinoid system and, you know, dopamine release, uh, you know, whatever, like all these things, like we are built to have that sort of interaction with these plants. That's where you yeah. think about the stone, the ape theory, you know? Yeah. I was going to mention Terrence McKenna. It's kind of funny that we haven't talked about him yet, but um, yeah. he. he uh, what is the stone ape theory? 50,000 years ago that, um, you know, essentially that was when we went from tribal hunter gatherers to, you know, being a bit more communal incrementally over time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, his theory and a couple others, I mean, it's a, uh, one of many uh, scholars put this forth, but yeah, the idea that, um, well, what Terrence McKenna says is it, it, there's a connection between cattle, mushrooms, and the goddess. <laughs> and it's like, well, what, what are you talking about? It's like, well, as soon as we started herding cattle 50,000-ish years ago, um, the guys walking behind the cattle, you know, that's where the mushroom grows <laughs> mm-hmm. in the cow paddy. Yeah. And, um, and when you take the mushroom, you see the goddess. And so there's all this artwork of goddess and cow type, uh, you know, themes uh, in world cultures in those prehistoric times. And, um, you know, yeah, it's the idea that it's it was a evolution of consciousness and, a you know, kind of step forward in humanity. And um, and yeah, I mean, I think what I really wanted to, to just kind of end on too, Santiago is, is uh, Project Rama Rama. I mean, I think, you know, we're talking about nature and the value of self-actualization and you know kind of individual improvement and how that translates to societal improvement well you're certainly doing that with project ramarama tell us tell us more and how we can follow you and get involved part of the journey i've been on for the past few years has shown me that even though the spirit the 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 quest for spiritual enlightenment is very important and, and and drives the mission we do live in a world that requires a lot and the best way to grow in that real world in that matrix even though i know <laughs> that isn't our favorite word <laughs> that's here. another episode that we'll, we'll get we'll get to that in the future but yeah but but you know it's it's a way of also contributing to building that planet that maya that we're in so I seeing that there was a lot of spiritual materialism out there. So many people like doing yoga, but then going out into the real world and being pieces of shit or like, you know, uh, going to ayahuasca experiences and then coming back to their startup in San Francisco and not hiring women and like all these things that, you know, just, just leave out the whole takeaway, the major takeaway of having these experiences. So in my case, because, you know, I'm vegan, I'm super connected to nature. And then I thought, well, what's, what's the best, easiest way of, of giving back? And, and to me, it was planting trees. I, I spent the past six months in, in, in Colombia for, for different reasons. But I thought to myself, well, look, I never thought about moving back to Colombia, but how can I utilize my time here um, in, in the best way possible? And, and it was planting trees. And so... I, I decided to start raising money, collecting money from, from people who believed in, 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 in my project and, and, and supported the fact that I wanted to plant trees. And, 
And then I, a friend of mine who is building a natural reserve in the Sierra Nevada mountains of uh, Santa Marta in the northern coast of, of Colombia, she said, look, I, I have this land which I want to convert into a natural reserve. And I, I want to plant trees because this used to be uh, full of coca plants for cocaine production. And this, these areas were controlled by the guerrillas and the paramilitaries and the narcos. But she's been slowly buying that land because, well, I don't know how, how familiar you are with, with Colombian history, but a few years ago, we signed a peace treaty, which is far from being perfect, but did calm the whole conflict on a major level. So a lot of people decided to take this opportunity to reintegrate into society and they have left their land or are looking to give it different use and so on. And my friend started buying these plots of land and she needed some support with planting trees. So most of the trees have been planted. I personally planted a hundred trees um, across Colombia, like close to Bogota, just like, you know, because I invited a lot of people <laughs> like this is, cool. this is an endeavor that, that, that where, you know, the more people you have, the better, but Colombians like to party a lot. And most of my planting happened very early in the mornings over the weekends. So a lot of people that signed up were then like too hungover to go out or whatever. So I thought, look, it's easier if people just like send me the money. I go, I buy the trees, I plant the trees. But now with my friend, uh, she has her own nursery up in the mountains. They're all endemic species. Um, they grow really well in, in that particular ecosystem. So what I do is I, I send her the money directly. Um, I'm doing this through a GoFundMe page. I know there's probably like a better way of doing it, but it's, it's, it's the easiest way right now. That's great. And there's more information on my website, we'll, we'll, projectramarama.com yeah, or yeah, my Instagram account at Rodriguez Parditi. Um, but this is That's, something that I've also done um, on, uh, on a daily basis by, by saving the seeds of whatever I eat, both fruit and vegetable. I just save them, I clean them, I germinate them in my kitchen. And then you know, a week later, I go and plant them either in my front yard. We have a tiny uh, patch of soil that we, we can plant. Uh, but sometimes I just keep them in my pocket, you know, like Johnny Appleseed, like going around <laughs> I was going to say, you're, you're a Colombian Johnny Appleseed. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I, would, I would invite you all to save your seeds and just plant them. The world needs more plants. Beautiful. Well, may her, especially your work with, with uh, Project Ram Rama and, and your friend's work in, you know, kind of incrementally buying land from, you know, drug production, cocaine production and cartels and, uh, you know, uh, everything associated with that, that she's done over time to convert that into a positive and, in, in you know, biosphere and, and something that contributes harmoniously to the planet. May that be a metaphor. You know, I love that image. May that be an image for, for the future civilization. Um, Hopefully, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we're happy to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, link to all your stuff and, you know, we're, we're we're getting started. This is episode eleven, so there's going to be like seven hundred more. So uh, please please <laughs> come back and uh, talk more. Maybe we'll we'll jump in. Uh, you know, we'll we'll get you updates on on what Project Ram Ram is doing. And you know, if you're in Miami or you might be somewhere else in the future, it sounds like. But 
um, man, thank you so much for coming. It was a wealth of information. And uh, yeah, we're, we're so glad to have you. We'll link to all your stuff. Amazing. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you. To you guys for having me and uh, for uh, raising the good vibrations. Likewise. <laughs> Beautiful. Thanks, Santiago. Thank you, thank Santiago. You. It was really great to meet you. Thank you.